TTYA Talks, the podcast. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of TTYA Talks. Um, my name's Irene TTYA and I started this platform to be able to connect successful women that work within the creative industries and in sports. So, you know, without further ado, I'm excited to welcome not only the double um, European indoor champion, but also the world indoor champion for Team GB. That's Perry Shakes Drayton or Perry Edwards. Not sure which one you want us to go by these days, but I've seen on the Instagrams that you've changed it to Perry Edwards. So, you tell me which one. Do you want us to go by Perry Shakespeare or do you want us to go by Perry Edwards, babes? Well, like you say, in the world of sport, I'm known as Perry Shakespeare. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm embracing being a wife now. And with that hey, give it to them. Day. Say it louder for the people at the back. You're I'm embracing, embracing being a wife. Yes. Embracing being a wife. And now I am Perry Edwards. <laughs> oh, we love that. And I think why I really wanted to kind of connect with you and speak to you today because I think even when I read through your bio there was so much that I learned about you and one of the main reasons why I started this platform is to actually one inspire the next generation but two to be able to show the work and the sacrifices that go into some of our careers because I think in a day where you know social media is kind of at the forefront a lot of people only see our wins and our successes and no one sometimes always sees the struggle so I wanted to kind of be able to voice that and for people to kind of see the journey and your journey an incredible journey that it has been so I think to get into it let's probably start let's start at the beginning like Mm -hmm. your family structure where you grew up you know your school your education and you know kind of where did that whole sports journey kind of begin for you yeah so I was born and raised in East London um in Poplar East London girl yeah (laughs) very proud of that because um I feel like where I came from was brought up um never really was something that people were proud of I say that in a sense like when I would say when people say that where are you from? And I'd be like, oh, I'm from um, Poplar. And I was like, kind of frowned <laughs> upon it. But now yeah. in this day and age, I know for people I'm very much proud of, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, in, I'm from Hackney. You know what I mean? You know, because yeah. the area changed so much. Of course. But, um, I went to school there. I went to Bishop Helena, um, all-girls school. It was a Catholic school. Um, I went to yeah, primary school. I went to Holy Family Primary School. I actually then went on to university at Brunel. Oh, you went to Brunel! Big up the Brunel kill. The the African ACS used to be mad. I used to travel to ACS to come and rave. I'm not going to lie. From Kingston to Brunel. Big up the Brunel crew. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, mate, there's some good events. When I could attend, because obviously at the time um, I was training. So what did you um, study at uni? So sports science. Oh, wicked. I studied sports science there. And uh, when I could, I would go to them coach parties and stuff. Yeah. But that wasn't always <laughs> the case because uh, being a, I was a full-time athlete, well, not a full-time mm-hmm. athlete, I was studying as well as being an athlete. So sometimes mm-hmm. I did miss out on major events that were going on at uni. And when did your kind of whole sports journey begin? Like, when did you think, okay, I actually want to I, I pursue this. This is something that I'm really passionate about. Um, okay, so I was first introduced to it around the age of 11 to sports mm-hmm. in through primary school. And I'm not saying I was that child who was always winning the races and stuff, but um, it was kind of something that I enjoyed doing. I liked running about. I started off as a distance runner and not okay. many 
not many children want to be distance runners um and it wasn't something that i aspired to i must say irene i wasn't like i never watched the olympics growing up like oh i want to be an olympic athlete or nothing like that no because what my mum installed installed into me was you need to have education you know that was always yes yes that was always a, a priority um, mm-hmm. I wasn't the smartest kid, but I knew I had to work hard. And whenever there was extracurricular classes and stuff, I would attend because I was like, I need the help. You know, I was never afraid yeah. to ask questions and ask uh, for help. So, you know, that's why I went on to university, uh, managed to get a, a degree out of it. But as well as that, I had uh, uh, this talent um, of being a sports person. Um, but it wasn't like, it was hard work. It took many of years. It was like mm-hmm. we were playing about with different events. It was like period distance runner, but you haven't really got the lungs for that. So let's try a field event. You can't really do field events. Like I wasn't the best at it, but then we came to um, a compromise. and was like, okay, maybe she go for shorter distance. I'm not. The, I wasn't the speediest person, but with a combination of my endurance, speed endurance, you know, my hard work ethic you know, um, my long limbs, skinny limbs, because I was one of them bar girls growing up. Team tall, you know? me, me and you have joined that office. Team <laughs> Listen, tall. yeah, man. We had, <laughs> growing up, it wasn't something that I actually embraced. Um, mm. It's not until I got older. It was like, no, you know, and when I was getting compliments about how I looked, I was like, okay, it's not as bad as how I used to feel, think it was growing up. And then with that, I was able to channel that into doing sport. Oh my god, wicked! So, kind of like when you was at uni and and also doing your sports on the side, was it quite difficult? Because I can imagine that you must have had quite a tough training regime, and then to also be studying at the same time. Like, how how did you manage to even manage your time? I should say. So, um, my two priorities were, you know, education and sports. Uh, I was lucky enough; I had two friends in uni who were going through a similar situation as me in terms of our priority was sport, and we wanted to do well academically. So. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of like having a social life, a lot of people um, were surprised when I'd say I went to Brunel because they were like, you went to our uni? And I'm like, yeah, because you didn't see me. It was like... Because you were focused. <laughs> right? Like, you was not turning ups. <laughs> it was like, I was, oh, maybe she's in the library or what I used to do is I used to travel. It's funny, I used to travel um, back to East London to do training because my coach wasn't based at the uni. Um, okay so, was, so you still was, had to go back okay yeah. how often um i would go like maybe like twice a week i would train okay. down in east london and all my weekends were back in east london at mile end that's where i would train and if um i wouldn't at the time i don't have a car but i would get on the train the um, metropolitan line and i'll actually study and do work because that journey on the train that's a mission from from brunel and that's like what near uxbridge like yeah towards that way right yeah brunel's yeah, uxbridge so, it's so kind of near heathrow airport it's quite far out so to travel across town to east london that's that's quite a mission so i realized i had to make use of my time time i mean mm-hmm. it was like you don't waste it let's make the most of it you know where i could fit in i could you know, and then there was times when I did have my car and it's like, okay, when I get back from training, when I'm driving from East London, I'm going to put a little study in before I go to bed, mm-hmm. you know, because, yeah, that is, it was all about, you know, kind of um, making use of my time. So when did things kind of really start to kick off for you? Like, when did you really think, do you know what, this could really be, when was that moment when it clicked <laughs> and you thought this could okay. really be something, you know? It's funny you said, you asked that question. So basically, um, 
not not many athletes go to uni okay right okay. unless they might go to the states and get a scholarship yeah and then that's all paid for however mm -hmm. i took the route of i'm going to stay in the uk because one i was getting funding two i had sponsorship i was doing all right i was doing really well so it was like and training was going well my coach was like I understand if it wasn't going well for you, but everything's here for you. You might as well stay here. And that stay was from here, my age, yeah. the age of that was the age of fifteen. I realised that. Okay. But even so though I was early. having, yeah, even though I was having the success and doing well, remember I told you my mum said my priority is my education. So yeah. I'm stay. I stayed put in the UK, done the studying, and, and was continuing the training. So from an early age, um, I was doing quite well for myself. However, you know, we we don't get complacent. <laughs> you're, you're gonna you know you're gonna stay you're gonna stay here and carry on mad so i think when uh, when when you're when you're because obviously you had a coach that kind of really believed in you do you, would you uh -huh. say that your coach kind of was a was the kind of pivotal point where kind of you he kind of pushed or well, i'm assuming is was it he she yeah she? yeah he, he was it he he kind of was like all right perry you've got something here you've got all this you've got sponsorship you've got funding your family's here you, you can get your education yeah but at what point did you think okay you know what i can really take this to the next level or was it did <laughs> uh, you start winning did you start participating uh, in games and winning yeah. like, how did that how did that journey kind of go because that happened um but this is where i knew it was serious yeah, because I never knew you could make a career being an athlete, um, is when I got approached by Nike. It was like, mm -hmm. oh, um, you know, before how, how, how old was you when? When was that, roughly? 15. Okay. Wow. So, so from when you was 15? Yeah. Yeah. So then they was like, oh, do you like Nike? I was like, yeah. Um, <laughs> Obviously at 15. <laughs> come on now, tell a 15-year-old that. Yes. But then when you start seeing contracts and stuff, and mm. then they're like, okay, you can make money if you run a certain time or if you finish a certain place. And then mm. when I actually got to represent Great Britain as a senior, not as a junior, mm. as a senior, so that must have been around about the age of 17. Okay. I think 17, 18. And then I realized the fun that was in my sport kind of went because I was around older people who now had families and now mm. they're relying on nieces to su support their, their children and their families. Yeah. yeah, and then I was just like, oh, I don't know if I enjoy this now because I had to kind of grow up very fast because mm -hmm. everyone, I'm amongst these seniors now who is like, this ain't really no game, you know? And I was like, wow, all my friends, like, like they... They wasn't oh, turning yeah, ups they, and doing and doing normal yeah. things, you know. And you've yeah, got like you're I'm surrounded like, now by people who are a lot older than you who've got different responsibilities, but now yeah. see this as like a career, not a, a hobby, as per se. Right, exactly. So then that's mm. when it hit me. I was like, and then um, my coach was like, no, you're in a good place, Perry. You know what I mean? Like doing the diamond leagues and stuff. That's where the real money is. You know, that's where the mm. best. That's where the best against the world compete against one another, and you get paid really well. That is where I was at, and then I was like, "But where is where are all my friends? Like in the sport? Like so?" Pause uh, for people like me who are kind of new to the whole kind of sports world in terms of like the monetary side of it, because that there's still there's a business element towards it. So yeah. when you're training, or if say say for you, your a lot of your income at that time was coming from 
I would say what your sponsorships and your Races. brand deals. Yeah, ra- yeah. so races. So it, so athletes, do you get paid per race or do you get paid based on the position that you come in on that race? Okay, okay. So it's all so very different. Let's it's all talk very... the business. Yeah, yeah, let's talk the okay. structure. <laughs> so one, you'll get paid. Um, okay, can I just say something? Every a- yeah, every athlete it. has a different contract. Yeah, everything's different. different. Yeah. Everyone, everyone's mm. different. So I'm only going to speak yeah. for myself. So Self, one, agree. You, um, you may have this this set income for the year, which you'll get paid fifty percent six months, fifty uh, percent the other six months. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that sustains you for the year. Throughout okay. that, now you can earn additional money called bonuses, and they mm. are earned through your position that you finish in a race if you go to a certain championship if you run a certain time and that's okay. how you earn money yeah okay so that makes sense so when you was doing your races so obviously nike approached you you were working with the nike team um you were also still at, you're still studying because these times you're, you're saying no 17 um mm. you are still studying you're t- taking part taking in races when what was the first big win for you do you remember oh wow <laughs> Yeah, I do remember actually. Two thousand eight, so it was the trials for okay. the Beijing Olympics, and I oh. beat the winner. That I beat the, the I won that race. Yes, with my little young self, <laughs> at eighteen, I've won, and I'm like, well, I'm going to Olympics. However, I didn't run the time, the qualifying time. So okay. I was all on a high, like, oh my gosh, I'm now the champion, but. Because I didn't run the time, they didn't take me. So okay. then that so that you had to, so you had to win. You had to win a certain qualifying time for them to be able to say you're going to be accepted to go to the Olympics. Yeah, okay. yeah. So even so, though you beat you beat the person that was currently holding the fastest uh-huh. the title, but for because Britain, you didn't meet yes. the, for Britain, because you didn't yes. meet the qualifying time, you did they you weren't able me. to go to the Olympics. Exactly. So how did, how did you actually process that? Because to be quite young and for for you to think yay and then be dropped down and think nay, that's quite a like a, a up down oh, of emotions. It was heartbreaking. Oh babe, I was like, I went racing. I kept racing because I still had a deadline that I could meet. Okay, I still had a chance of going if I could get the time, and I didn't okay. because I was putting so much pressure on myself. I wasn't an experienced athlete to know that's not the best way to go about doing things. So I was but because you wanted it so much, you were just so really just trying. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So you just actually would. Who in. wouldn't want to go to Beijing? And who wouldn't want to go to the <laughs> Olympics? So obviously, your mind is going to tell you if I keep racing, maybe I'll get the time. But you know, yeah. I guess there must be a, there's a science to it. I, I'm not exactly if I'm, if I'm correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you know that didn't happen. However, I did get the opportunity to go out to Beijing, and I went on a program. Um, okay. It was called a futures program. So basically, okay. it took me and two other athletes from athletics, along with um, ath- young athletes from other sports, and we actually got to experience what it's like to, you know, to do the journey, stay in a holding camp, um, go to the Olympic Games, go into the um, village, um, see some of the athletes, and just to experience it. And oh, uh, I was like, okay. When I saw Did that this, give you the first for more? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. I turned around <laughs> and said to my friend, never again are we sitting in these stands. We don't do that. We need to be on the track. And, you know, it worked because the following um, Olympics, we were there. 
we were there, at, you know, at London. So. so what was the kind of, so in between when you said that to your friend, because I love that because I think that sometimes you, you, you need that, you need that friend that will be like, you know what, we need to fix up. Like, this is what we're going to, this is, this is our plan now. This, we see, uh-huh. we've got a little take, we've got a little sprinkle of it now we're going to move, you know? So what what kind of work did you have to put in? Because what, the Olympics are every, what, four years? Four years, yeah. Four years. So what kind of sacrifices and, well, actually, let's start at the top. What was, maybe say, what was your training regime at that time? Like, what kind of, what was you doing for the four years to really prepare you to get to that point? So as I've got, as I've got older now, my coach got really excited now. Because I've got older now, I can go in the gym. So mm-hmm. as much as I've been running really well, we've not even put this girl in the gym and lifted, up, lifted any heavy weights. Yeah, so to really think, put your body to, yeah, work, to work. Okay. Yeah. It was like skinny mother girl now is changing into like putting on a bit of weight and muscle mm-hmm. so we can have some power. So that was kind of the thing what kind of happened around the age of, I think, I think 19. We got in, introduced to being in the weights room. Um, I ended up going to um, my, my first, my first senior championships in 2009. Uh, it was in wow. Berlin. I went to Berlin, yeah. And um, coming from the Europeans, actually, under 23s, which I had mm-hmm. won. Sick. It's like I was winning. I was amongst athletes who were faster than me in the world. But I had to feel and know what it was to be up against them. Yes. You know? And to power you up. To them. power you up. Yeah, yeah to power you up. And by yeah. them was like, Okay, I'm not quite there, but I'm inching a bit closer because every year so, my times were going down. Okay, so it's like it was a nice building process mm-hmm. to take me um, throughout the four years. And then, where where you were able to go into the gym and that? Did you were you on like a strict dietary um, regime at that point as well? Because I'm assuming all of that works hand in hand with each other. Um, I was very. I wasn't saying it was a strict diet, but it was. But I was very. Mm-hmm. Um, cautious and conscious about what I was eating it was okay because I never had the issue of weight uh, you mm-hmm. know in terms of my metabolism was very fast and it's the case of hey, you need to fuel your body you know mm-hmm. my coach was very much okay we're not we wasn't on supplements nothing like that you're going to mm-hmm. eat from the, the primary source you know when it comes to your food so I wasn't on a strict diet no but I was just like oh yeah I should I should be eating this and I shouldn't be eating that but it wasn't. Don't get me wrong. If I wanted an odd snack and that wasn't good for me, I'd still have it. <laughs> have it in moderation. Yeah, man. <laughs> Everything in moderation. Uh-huh. So, so from a very young age, then you were you were really traveling out. Yeah, like you were really like on you. You were you saying that you went to Beijing? Like, how, who was kind of? Did you have like a girl ga- gang tribe or who yeah. was kind of like your your support system <laughs> while you was on the road? Because we all need those support systems, especially when you're traveling. <laughs> traveling can be lonely. People see you on the gram and be like, "Oh, catch flights, not feelings." But like, yeah, but there's, there's, it's actually quite lonely when you're traveling by yourself. <laughs> really, so who was kind so- of like your support system when you were on the road? So I'd have my coach with me a lot of the time and then he understood me, you know, but he was a guy. But then there was times when we'd gone to like team championships and I had a roommate called Asha, Asha Phillips. This this was my girl, both from East London, both kind of came through together. 
you know, I know her family, she knows my family, you know, I could wear my headscarf in the be- bedroom and it would feel no way. You know, yeah, there's yeah, things yeah. like, I mean, you just need to be able to come familiar, familiar. Yeah, you know what I mean? If you, yeah. if you want to walk around in your underwear, you walk around in your underwear. She ain't going to judge me. I'm not going to judge her, you know. She wants to wind up in the mirror. Do your thing, girl. You know, it was very much, we made each other feel at home. And that's the kind of, you need that relaxation, you know, mm. because to go into to race and stuff, you know, you would just feel as relaxed as possible. So having her was, yeah, it was a blessing. It really was. And how much of that journey was she there with you? Most of it. Like really, yeah, I'll say most of it. Because she also came to Beijing with me and was a part of the Futures program. Um you know, um, went to, yeah, I don't, did she go to Berlin with me? I know she had a, a, a big injury, so she was out for a while, actually. Um, she injured herself with her knee. Um, she was actually a big inspiration to me when I injured myself because she came back from it. So, um, yeah, I've seen the highs and lows. We've both been on a journey together. Um, yeah, definitely. Actually. And that was what actually I was going to move on to ask you about because I think one thing about, like we were saying earlier, is that a lot of people do see the highlights and the wins, but not necessarily understand like some of the low mm-hmm. points. So I know mm-hmm. for you, like when you were, you were like what the second fastest 400 meter hurdler in the world. Yeah. Um, and then you, and then you landed your, your first, well, your injury because you um, awkwardly landed. Uh-huh. Um, on your leg and did you tit you ruptured one of your ligaments right and, and the cartilage in your knee yeah. when you landed so uh, what was that like for you is it did you because I think that must be for when you've put in all that work to get to that point and you mm-hmm. have suffered injury on race day what share with us like what's what that even feels like and and again did you kind of mentally like where you were at that time when that happened so that happened in 2013 mm-hmm. um after having so much success, like early on in the year, you know, becoming European double champion, it was, I was on a high. So I was mm-hmm. like, bring on a world championships because I've been to an, uh, enough of them already and not achieved what I wanted. This is going to be my time. So yes. I was feeling, you know, on top of the world, best shape of my life. And, you know, to go into that race, I had confidence. I won my heats. I won my semi-finals. And then get to the, to get to the finals and like, you know, it didn't happen, you know, to go over a hurdle. And I'm like, no, this don't feel right. I feel very uncomfortable. What's gone on here? You know, it was a horrible to get wheelchaired off of the track, to be then be flown off to the UK that night. And, you know, my friend Asha was by my side um, uh, after it happened, and my coach. And uh, all she kept doing was just saying, and she cried, she kept crying. I was like, I'm sorry, Perry. And I was like, I was like, why are you sorry for? Everyone kept apologising, but she obviously having a knee injury herself. She knows the how um, complicated it can be with a knee. Yeah, she didn't like see me in that way. I even made a running joke, Irene. I was like, when I got the after I found out the got the scan and stuff, and heard I needed an operation, I was like, oh, I'm gonna get pregnant. And my coach was like, you're not gonna be out for that long. Mate, that nine months you're saying ain't long. I was out for four years. Wow, really? Yeah, I was out for four years. Just every day doing rehab, um, you know. And what kept me going was that I just, I was just getting started, you know. I was, yeah. To me, I was just getting started and I've just been knocked down. I'm come back. I didn't realise I was going to be out for that long. 
I really didn't. But because I kept seeing improvements, I kept going. But then I get knocked down. But I kept going. Because so emotionally, that must have been quite tough. Oh, because it's tough. like your emotions are like up, down, up, down, up, down. Tough, 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 yeah. tough. I really, yeah. And, you, and, you, and again, like how, what, how did you encourage yourself? Because I think there must have been moments within that where you must have just felt like, is it, do I really want to keep doing this? Like, how did you keep powering yourself? Like, I'm going to be at the next Olympics in Rio. That was what I was chasing. I was like, I'm going to be ready for it. I'm going to be ready for it. I don't care. Yeah, I'm missing out on all these years leading up to it. I'm going to be ready for it. So that's what one rocket get me going. I have a very supportive family, you know, who keep me grounded. You know, being around them lifted my spirits because when I'd go home and I'd be alone, that's when it was the worst because you're in your thoughts. I'll be in my bed, in my thoughts, thinking, oh, am I ever going to get better? You know, then I think about my competitors. Irene mm. that's another thing that was it would get me down so I stopped watching the sport so I'm not interested I don't want to see what you lot are doing I need to focus on myself mm. so, also mm. I, I know that I can beat you lot that, that, that was the thing that was killing me that was killing you said, yeah. It was, yeah it was just killing me I weren't in a good place at all man it was horrible like you know and uh, I just to channel that into this like being around people that I know were there for me Mm. No, that because you know some so having a good support out. system really helps. It's a you. big thing, yeah. And I know you've kind of touched upon like there was I th- your injury was made maybe slightly le- worse from having to flee from a potential mugging. At what at that point did you really think, okay, wow, like oh god, what's going on here? That was what's mad. really really happening. What's really really happening? That was mad because that imagine that happened the first day I was running. That was happened for the first day I started running. So I went to a training camp in South Africa. Mm. And, you know, this is the day they said, hey, we're going to start running. Listen, I was running and it felt good. Then I was such on a high horse, you know, you know, feeling good, had my headphones on, feeling good. We was going back to my hotel. These two guys must have spotted me, must have thought, look at this girl. They saw the headphones, babe, and they were yeah. looking for the phone. Yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big headphones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They weren't yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, telling yeah, me to yeah. just hand it over, I want to play hero, you know, and run, you know, because mm. the headphones are not worth my life, you know, mm. and that was frightening. And I was just like, wow, you know, that was another horrible event, you know, but, you know, it didn't stop me. And it's really hard for me to, to think to stop me, Iron, to do what I want to do, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing that people need to understand because I think it's passion that kind of pushes you. Like people always ask yeah. me, oh, are you tired? You're doing this, you're doing that. But I think when you're really passionate about something, it does give mm-hmm. you that power up yeah. that you need to keep, just to keep going. Like even when things are not really going your way, you know that for a greater good, you want better for yourself. And I right. think for a lot of us, that comes from growing up the way we've grown up like our parents came here for want of a better life like you know we haven't really had the easiest time so I think for us we kind of see opportunity as we have kind of because we grew up with struggle it's like our struggles now hustle Uh and I think that's what kind of separates us a lot from our peers because because we know how to change struggle into hustle now It's like, you know, you can do better and you want better. So you're going to mm-hmm. keep pushing and keep going. And I think for you, it was really amazing to kind of see your bounce back from that. And for you to win silver medal um, at the London 2017 World Championships after all of that hardship, yeah. I think is really, really inspiring. The fact that you were able to even, because I could just imagine the mind focus that would have had to go into that. To yeah. focus, like, 
it's so it must be so hard like especially when you're seeing all your peers and i think for now like i think sometimes with social media it's so much noise it's like you're always constantly scrolling on instagram seeing what this person's doing seeing this seeing that yeah. and it's just like you're not tuning in to yourself so it's just like mm-hmm. for you to kind of gone through all of that and seeing your maybe your, your other competitors now doing races that you're not doing i can imagine it must have been really tough oh, so to yeah. really be focused and focused and to be able to like still come back and achieve silver medal i think that's really inspiring perry like honestly yeah no and it was in london so it was like even more extra all your family and friends can be there yeah (laughs) real time yeah it was good it was good and, and then from that I know well. you kind of started your kind of train with Perry um, yeah and you kind of kind of focused on building your own brand what was kind of your idea concept behind that and what kind of structures <laughs> business in a business sense did you have in place to kind of implement that so that that came about with like obviously I was injured at the time Irene and I was like mm-hmm. listen I'm not just gonna keep tra- I'm not gonna just train I need to focus my mind on something else you do my training and then what else are you gonna do so then my friend who was staying with me at the time called Leslie was like, Perry, let's do a class together, you know. And um, she, it was funny because she was like, I was letting her stay at my house and stuff. She said, what we do is the money that earned from her side, I'll just put that to, let's put into the rent. That was her idea of thinking of it. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, fair enough. So we're going to do something together that we both enjoy it, and we're going to get people together and do fitness workouts. Mm-hmm. And we'll do, we'll do like a boot camp of a morning. And that's mm-hmm. how it came, came about. Then I continued it, you know, from apart from the parks. I would actually go to um like places around London, whether it be the Shard or I went to the Aquatic Centre in Stratford. And I'll just do fitness um boot camps with people. And I was like, Yeah, I'm gonna use my body, what I you know, and you know, offer my service to other people, you know. And then that had to stop when I was doing my comeback because it was mm-hmm. like I can't, I can't, I need to rest in my body, yes. you know, because rehab is very different to when you're training. So, sp- yeah, expand a little bit on that, because I think people just think that, oh, you must run, 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 yeah, and like, that's good. how you're going to get good. But I remember yeah. from when you were saying, from when you learned, from when you was a younger age, that, that wasn't the way to do it. So you have to give your body rest, right? Yeah, that comes, that comes a part of the recovery. So you're ready for the session, the next session ahead. You're training like mm. five to six times a week. Mm. that's your training that could be your weight session circuit sessions yes we do run on the track and that you could be doing a long run you could be doing short sprints don't short sprints take a lot out of you you know you're breaking that body and you're pounding that body on the track it takes so much out of you you do need to recover so it's not all the time it's when there's an event or things going on you can't always be in attendance because that time you're using that time to recover and recuperate my thing i think that's one thing that people really need to understand is the ability of sacrifice. I think that gets mm-hmm. lost a lot, especially now that kind of gets lost a lot. And I know from, and I think it's good that you were able to kind of build other elements as well, not just, okay, cool. I'm just going to be training and then that's it. It was like, okay, if I'm going to have this time, what else can I put my time into? But yeah. then when it was time for the main focus, yeah. that needed to be shedded for you to be able mm-hmm. to get your main focus. So when did you kind of start thinking about let me branch out was that kind of from your branding or like so like for example I know you did like dancing on ice you know how did all of that kind of come about at what point in your career so that happened dance on ice happened in 2018 I believe and okay so I have an uh, agent a commercial agent who's who's able to you know get me um, work and job outside of being a school 
person. But, you know, being the athlete is what, you know, the profile. But it's like, yeah. here is more to me than just being an athlete. So I've done a bit of, I've done the punditry on TV, done BBC work. What people noticed that I had a personality from doing my post-race interviews. And a lot of people were, were looking forward to that. When I finished my race, like, what is this girl going to say? What's going to come out of her mouth, you know? Because when I would talk and describe a race, everybody could understand and work out what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't a case of I was being technical. I'm talking for the general public. Layman's and, terms. Uh-huh. So everyone can, can relate. Everyone could if relate saying, to you. Yeah. If I was saying I'm running like a, like a dog was chasing me, I swear a lot of us have been chased down for a dog, yeah, down dog, by a dog. Yes. You know what I mean? Just things yeah. like that. And then, yeah. so one, uh, my personality got um, exposed from doing post-race interviews because I think, I think they do find it hard to actually um, show people what they're about. Or some of the people, they get this label that they're boring people. They're, the people are lucky in this day and age, they have this social media. You want to just portray yourself, you can do that. When I was growing up, social media wasn't, um, a big, um, it wasn't pumping like that. So you just know mm-hmm. Perry Shake straight from doing a post race interview, you know, and that, but that's kind of carried on with me. I'm able to get jobs, go on TV shows through that kind of thing. And people, the people liked my story. The reason why I got the, um, Dance on Ice, they like the comeback story of mm-hmm. me, you know, she's been knocked down, but she's coming back. She's came back, mm-hmm. you know. Right, inspiration. We want her on our sh- on her show, on the show, kind of thing. So, yeah, that's how it kind of comes about, really. And that's you just me just building my brand without even trying to, and that was just trying me being myself. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that people kind of miss is that like when you're actually building your brand, it's all about authenticity. It's just being true to who you are. That yeah. literally screams and shouts louder than anything that you could kind of contrive. Exactly. For sure. So I kind of want to get into relationships with you because obviously we had a little bond because we linked when we were in Nigeria because your husband was (laughs) in Big Brother Niger. Mm-hmm. and I actually went into the house as a guest which was a bit <laughs> mad still but it was amazing to me because seeing how you were embraced by Nigerians yeah. um, and seeing how you really sacrificed your time in being like you was there for your man like mm-hmm. I, the first the first inkling I had of it is I'm seeing on your stories like vote for Mike I was thinking vote what's this vote for Mike what is this so I clicked on it I said mm? and then you're like yeah my husband's in big in Nigeria and I'm gonna go to Nigeria I said hold up stop pause explain this to me so let's start at the beginning where did you and Mike meet because I know Mike was also a fellow athlete as well right right so we met in the States, actually. Uh, we were on a training camp, and this was back in 2011 or 12, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, I was already in a relationship. However, I saw him and thought, oh, who is this tall figure? But he thought, <laughs> what, what? But I just looked. I mean, that's all it was. You know, you were just funny. casting your eye, I, yeah? I, I was like, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was walking to the gym. Uh, you know, I don't know my, my my around. You know where I'm going. I don't know these surroundings, and I, I've asked somebody, "Excuse me, do you know where the gym is?" And all I heard in the background was someone mimic how I speak, and I was like, mm. "Wait, this sounds too good." It's Mike, and I was like, oh, "Okay," I was like, "Yeah, excuse me, there's gym, the bird, exactly right, it's just over there." Anyway, I kept seeing him at the gym and whatnot. Found out who he was. That you know, he that he actually represents Great Britain, but he's um, based in the states because some athletes mm-hmm. actually do that. 
um, you know, that was it. I've now gone back to the UK, um, mm-hmm. you know, years down the line, I've had an injury and stuff. We were talking, you know, we were talking. He slid in my DMs, I don't care. He'll say it wasn't. No, yes, it was. <laughs> I was liking his pictures. He is very photogenic, yeah. I wasn't trying to get his attention. Nothing like that yet. I, your photos are genuinely nice, right? So I'm just liking it. So Don't you're just liking anything. the pictures innocently, yeah. minding your own business, uh-huh. yeah? And I then he slid like, in the DM. Uh-huh. He's thinking, right, this is my job. <laughs> 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 you know, he reached out to me, to kept asking to see if he wants to go on a date with me. And I'm just like, I don't So was he in the UK at this point? Was he in, I'm was in the he UK. back in London? He's in the UK. Okay. Yeah, he's back in the UK. He's in the UK. What okay. made, I'm not really one to do dates. That's not yeah, my okay. thing. Basically, we our, my relationships that I've had is because we went to the same school or, you know, dudes across the, the, the boys' yeah, school yeah, yeah. or yeah. went to the same uni, something like that. Familiarity, you know? Yes. Not this, take me on a date. No, it don't work like that. Anyway, I gave him a chance. <laughs> I, gave, I gave him a chance. I gave, I don't, don't get me wrong, I've, I've finished with the other guy. Yeah, that was with Yeah. So I was about to say, let's clarify that one now before they uh-huh. said that there was crossover one. Let's make it clear. <laughs> there was no crossover one. Uh-uh. Yeah, you were focused. Uh-uh. Right. So you went on the date. Mike, Mike asked you on the date and you but, went on the date. But it was how he asked me, which okay. surprised me. He said, Can, would you like to accompany me? Um, on a date, I was like, "Who asks like that?" This is person. <laughs> this was just, it was too. I was very shocked. I was like, this babe, guy's very "We're not well doing get on one." Ratatata. There's no. There's no. Yeah, babe. Like, What's good? Like, do you trying guy. to say like, do you want me? Do you want a link, man's or, uh, or what? Like, yeah, man said, "Do you want to accompany me?" Yeah, oh, that's that so like, gentlemanly. Right. We but love this. Is, yes, Mike. But, thumbs up. You get the thumbs up. But listen to this one. <laughs> Though he goes to the opera, opera. Who goes opera? No, a royal opera house. <laughs> Who does that? I'm like this. This this person's not normal. But you know what? It's different. I'm going to give it yeah. a go. Yeah. So he went to the royal opera house. You know, he was very sweet. You know, got me tickets. I was in all the talking, but that was because I was nervous. And uh, on on a lot of numerous dates, I was like, no, I really do like this guy. Um. And, uh, you know, it was just going really well. I liked what he was doing. You know, he, obviously, he was he was an athlete. Um, he would basically, I was up in Loughborough. That's what helped the situation. He was down in Birmingham. I was up in Loughborough because I was, that's where I was doing a lot of my rehab. So that's mm-hmm. how we got really close with one another. Because oh, you were then, close, uh, to, no, distance-wise, you were quite close. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But out of your surroundings, London, out of your comfort zone. Yeah. If you're up north and he's up north too, like... You needed a bit of companionship. So you people right. were companioning shipping the air uh-huh. together. Okay, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, when I was back in London, he would always make the journey down, you know, jump on mm-hmm. the train and come and see me. So I was like, oh, you know, he's making an effort. This is nice. And um, again, my friend Asha, she knows all about it because one time he, like, when the beginning stages, I wasn't hearing from him. I was like, this, listen, what is this guy on? Like, he's not answering the phone or whatnot. But, oh, he's not calling me. That's what it was. He wasn't mm. calling me. She's like, why didn't you call him? And I'm trying to like, nah, man. She wants to call me. <laughs> you, did the, me. you did the cool, uh-huh. you tried to do cool, cool breeze, yeah? You wanted to do Febreze, yeah? Yes. You wanted to do Febreze. <laughs> but turns out, though, at the time, uh, because he's like, moves over, just moves over from the States, he never had Wi-Fi and stuff like that. He never had a, a, a UK phone. So in terms okay. of communication, it wasn't the best. 
So okay. I was like, oh, okay, I'll give it to him. Do you know what I mean? I'll allow you on mm-hmm. that one. Um, but yeah, and then, gosh, when it got so serious, um, he proposed to me. And where did he propose? He took me back to the world opera house. Oh, Mark is getting all the toms uh, up, man. Uh-huh. He's getting yeah. all the toms up. He's getting all. And how long were you guys together when he proposed to you? Off about four years. Oh, so cute. Because yeah. I think for me, when I kind of first saw, like, I thought, wow, Perry's really ride or die because the way you was getting people to vote for di- for your man, I said, this is no games. <laughs> then you're like, I'm, I was like, oh, I'm going to be in Lagos. You're like, I'm going to be in Lagos too. So then we yeah. ended up linking while he was in the house in Nigeria and we went for dinner and we were just kind of yeah. talking about you was like, you know, you were thinking about maybe going into retirement. I remember you were saying, and I was like, retirement? Like, yeah. huh? like how can you retire <laughs> at your age? What do you mean? And yeah. obviously now you have, you've, you've yeah. retired from sports. You've kind of, what, what made you kind of come to that decision? I mean, I've been doing the sport for like 20 years. And mm-hmm. throughout my experiences, like, you know, from being injured and stuff, it was that like, I realised there was more to life than just being an athlete mm-hmm. and it was like I felt like you don't, you don't really get to live your life to the full as being an athlete you know if you really want to achieve what you want to achieve you make some sacrifices you miss out on big events you miss out on weddings you miss out on birthdays and everything and then it just got to a point being in Nigeria was brilliant you know I like how long like, were you in Nigeria altogether four months okay yeah you were there yeah. for a long time yeah I was there for a long time and I remember I got married. I got married in 2019. That's where mm-hmm. things changed. It's like, this, mm-hmm. this, Mike's not just my boyfriend. You, yeah. you know, this is, a, this, is, this is my yeah. long term, you know. Yeah. And that is why, you know, being in Nigeria, I wasn't able to train. Um, and motivation-wise, wasn't there. My motivation mm-hmm. to train was not there. It was like, you have to have motivation. I'm like, you know what? I'm very satisfied with what I've achieved, what I've done. I'm ready to kind of move on, enjoy, enjoy life, and mm-hmm. yeah, let's look forward to the future. And that's what I've been doing. That's what. So, I've how been was doing. the kind of distancing of you, like, because Big Brother Nigeria is what? Well, correct me if I'm wrong. It's 90 days, right? So he was in days. that house 99 days, even Seth. Yeah. So you, he was in that house for 99 days. You was without your partner for 99 uh-huh. days. How how was that? Like, because obviously you guys uh, are still quite newly married at that point yeah. when you went into the house. So how was the kind of distancing and how did you, because I remember going into that house and thinking, wow, it's, so it's way smaller than it looks on TV, one, uh-huh. and two, I was only in there for literally, what, not even 10 minutes? And I was like, yeah. this is enough for me. So I can't even imagine yeah. being there for 99 days. But I think he really won the Nigerian public over in the fact that, you know, he was really loyal to you, really loyal to his mm. marriage, really loyal. Like he had, you could tell that he had humble, like he was humble and he, and he yeah. was respectful, you know? And mm-hmm. I feel like that's what really, he came runner up in the show, but I think at everybody's heart, he was still the winner. You know, he was still yeah. our UK winner anyway, because I think to be able to go through what he went through, but also to be so respectful to his wife and respectful to your relationship, I thought that was really amazing to see. But I think that must have been quite difficult for you being away it, from him for so long. I'm very driven by knowing what's the purpose of something. Why are we doing it? Yes. The reason why Mike went to the house is obviously Mike's the owner of um, Aries, which is a a, yes. a cigar brand, his mm-hmm. own personal brand that he'd set up, and mm-hmm. what he wanted to 
um, reach out and get it known by a wider audience, mm-hmm. you know, and he wants to get the people in Africa to know about what he's doing. Mm-hmm. So he decided to take this leap and, you know, go into this house. Mm-hmm. Me and Mike, we've had this relationship where at times we are apart from each other, where he may have to train in the States, I'm training in the UK. So, so we were we, used to distance We were yeah. used to being distance, but this was another mm-hmm. time of distance because we couldn't Never communicate level. with each other. Ten, exactly, yeah. And all I could do is wake up every morning and watch my husband via and a watch laptop. Him. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it, it was tough, but I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm controlling these social media. Listen, we're a team, you know. If mm-hmm. I don't do it, who's going to do it? Right. Hmm, so when people were sliding into his DMs, they didn't know they were coming to meet their destiny. They were coming to meet his wife. Yeah, in the DM. That was funny. There wasn't many. There wasn't many talking ones. Yeah, because they got to realize you can't be Mike talking. There wasn't yeah, many. Yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong, but you know you have the odd one, and then there's like that was to be wild. How? That was to be wild. It quickly got shut down. So yeah, you quickly just play. closed it up. You said you just you said no. There's this this office is for let. It's close it uh-huh. up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and did you guys have any like? I wanted to ask you like any cultural differences because you obviously Caribbean, he's Nigerian. Uh-huh. Like, was there any co- things culturally that you guys had to kind of overcome? Oh no, it's funny when people ask you that as well. It's like, mm. uh, you know, going to Nigeria, if anything, first thing when I landed, I was like, wow, this reminds me of Jamaica. Just on a bigger <laughs> scale. I, it, I it, said that when I went to Jamaica, I was like, this is like Nigeria. Yeah. Like, <laughs> There's so many it, similarities, right? Yeah. And I was just like, no people let's not pretend no I've, mm. I've seen it I know what this lifestyle is about you know what I mean I embrace I love the hustle see mm. the, the, the Nigerian hustle I can understand it if there's anything it, it made me have a bit more respect and understanding of my friends and what mm. you know what I see them do in the UK because mm-hmm. it's like it's embedded I see what Nigeria how the how Nigerians are very hard working and um adamant about things they bring it over to the UK and I'm just like nah I can see where it comes from and that being amongst it I was like no matter if you don't have a lot you have a lot people are still hustling and I respect yes. that food wise yeah. that wasn't a culture shock for me because I went to school with a lot of um, Nigerian friends I've been brought up in, um, I had friends from primary school who were Nigerian so I had the food from young so it was never the case of mm, what is this I'm eating or oh, this is foreign yeah. because I knew I knew the music you know what I mean I mean, if anything, it's just like I was in the country and I could have my own opinions. You was in it. your comfort zone, yeah. Like, it yeah, wasn't anything that was out of, like, yeah, no. nothing was really that new to you. Like, no. I even remember when we were talking about it, you had your Niger number, we were WhatsApping, <laughs> like, you you, yeah. you you were really ingrained. You was there. You was present. You were focused. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, we roll with it, you know, and that's like, um, I embraced it and, you know, I do look forward to when I do finally go back because I feel like, like you say, I was very much welcomed there. Mm-hmm. It was it was a nice. Feeling. And obviously, you guys have kind of been built in like Mike and Perry, the brand. Like I've seen your Genevieve cover. Like you guys are really working as a team, and I think that's really something that I've even learnt from you. Like being able to see that I'm like, yeah, I want a man who's going to be on my team, and I want to be on his team too. But I, I love that kind of when I saw you guys Genevieve cover, and I just thought, wow, this really embraces what it's like and what the sacrifices must be like but actually now you guys have come out on the other side you're doing everything together like mm-hmm. your branding now I feel like has merged into one it's like Mike yeah. and Perry or Perry mm-hmm. and Mike you can't mm-hmm. see one without the other you know mm-hmm. so yeah. I feel like that's been really kind of nice to see yeah and you know what as well what I liked about that shoot that I, we had done with Genevieve as well is that 
um, you saw a different side of me. To me, I feel like mm. um, I, can, I can embrace anything. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm never afraid to try new things. You know, the mm. fact even down to the hairstyle, yeah. You ain't going to yeah. see me in a magazine in the UK. You don't You don't see many um, people like us, you know, embrace like that, looking like that. You know, we look very much, if anything, um, European and stuff. No, mm-hmm. that's not the case. You know, I was embracing. Yeah, they threaded your hair. They what? gave you the real like, trad, yeah. trad hairstyles, yeah. <laughs> and how well received it was it's like no I, I, you're going to see me of how it really is you know and mm-hmm. uh, it came out so beautiful it was really lovely portrayed and it's like nah man we appeal to it's like I brought my UK audience to come and see what it is like in Nigeria and they yeah, may have and not definitely you, had yeah. they, they, mm-hmm. I don't think not everyone gets to see that even if I'll go to certain places or restaurants I mean people are like you're in Nigeria yeah, I'm in yeah. Nigeria. There are some nice spots there. Don't get it yeah. you know. So. And I think that that's good because a lot of the time, kind of, you know, and especially with with me going back more and more, people always like, oh, you're always showing, like, the good side. And I'm like, haven't you seen enough of the bad side? Like, we're, we're not yeah. d- denying that it's there, but, like, not everything about Nigeria or Africa is, you know, Oxfam adverts with, with kids with flies right. on their face. Like, there is a luxury lifestyle here. And there is, like, there is influencer branding. There is influencer marketing. Mm-hmm. There is sick clubs. There is, like, you yeah. know, editorial. The fashion is amazing. The music's amazing. The, you know, the arts is amazing. And I think that it was really important. I I remember even watching your stories and I think wow like Perry's really enjoying herself I remember at mm. one point I messaged you like well I'm missing Lagos man you're making me miss <laughs> you're making me miss Lagos yeah. you're making me miss Lagos so what's next what's next for you now that you've retired you know you've changed your ne- your surname to Edwards on socials <laughs> now what's next for you baby girl listen Irene I couldn't I couldn't say exactly what is next but you mm. know the world's my Esther that's how I feel like I feel mm-hmm. like I've learned, I've started to learn that it's like nothing is impossible. You know, mm. it'll be lovely, you know, in the future, if I'm blessed with a family, that'll be beautiful. You know, that is a blessing. Um, and yeah, I'm just kind of rolling with the punches kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. working on myself, working on my brand, let people know what I, what I can do besides them running around the track kind of thing. No, I love that. We are, we're here to support you. We're here to support you. And I just, I think you're incredibly talented i think you're incredibly inspirational and even from 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 even just being a black girl from from london i think what you represent is that anything's possible and if you dream and want it for yourself you can achieve and i think mm-hmm. that's what i see anyway when i see you so if anybody wants to follow you on socials perry give them the social link ups what's your socials yes instagram it's it's psd so i t s p s d and for twitter mm-hmm. it's at shake straighten hey so yeah would like to say thank you so much perry for giving us your time thank you for sharing your insights thank you for sharing your light with us today this is ttya talks the podcast you've been you've been here with us brown skin girls so big up perry we love you <laughs> let's keep it to edwards now we can just cancel out the maiden one we'll just focus on the marriage one okay <laughs> give it to them we love that thank you perry we love you this is ttya talks later Thank you for listening to another episode of TTYA Talks with your host, Irene TTYA. Laters!